Acts chapter 13. Beginning with verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. That is, John Mark. And um, You probably know later on Barnabas and Paul are going to have disagreement about John Mark later in the book of Acts about whether or not they should take him. So we have to kind of discern from this that John left and Paul didn't think that he should have. He departed from them and returned to Jerusalem and he really didn't think they should have. And I just, This isn't part of the message, but I kind of wanted to bring this out in this. You know, we talked last Lord's Day about people may leave, you know, the fellowship here or like Mike and Doreen, Tim's mom and dad leaving Baton Rouge and coming here. They're planning on building a house and coming here and worshiping here with us and um, people leave, people uh, come and as far as I know in talking with Mike and Doreen, you know, this is something the Lord's leading them to do and John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas here and it may not have been the Lord's leading. He may have just decided, you know, this I'm going to go with them, you know, kind of thing. And when he got out there, he found out real quick, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And so he went back. And we shouldn't be too hard on uh, John Mark. We've all been guilty probably of the same thing. Um, I've probably been guilty of dragging people along with me and later on them leaving and me thinking, well, why did they leave, you know? And it's because I drug them along. And it wasn't something the Lord had put in their heart to do and, and I was the one that that really kind of um, pushed them I guess in that direction and and uh, we ought not to do that either but <clears throat> verse number 14 but when they departed from Perga they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down and after the reading of the law and the prophets the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them and this was kind of a custom in the synagogue, I mentioned this I think last Lord's Day, that um, if somebody had a word of scripture reading, then they'd ask them to, you know, speak. And so, this is what they were doing here. And I promise you that Paul and Barnabas had walked in there hoping that they would get that opportunity, praying that they would ask them to speak. And the Lord provided that opportunity. They sent unto them, saying, "Ye men and brethren." If you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And so Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers. And I want you to notice as we go through this, we read these verses of scripture, how we see over and over again, God did, God did, God did. And we read that verse of scripture this morning from Psalm 2. Now that's why I read that was because God is the one. His will is going to be done. done. You know, God does it. God did it. And so we see here in verse 17, the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people um, when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years he suffered their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided the land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. And God, you know, God gave. Here again, God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, that is God, God removed Saul. He raised up, he raised up unto them David. That wouldn't have been their choice. Their choice was Saul, you know, Brother Tim and Brother Dean, about the tallest men here. Now, Randall's pretty close up there, you know, with them. And Saul was that kind of man. He was head and shoulders above the rest. And that was the kind of king they chose. That's the kind of king they wanted. They wouldn't have chose David, you know, a boy out there in the field keeping sheep. But their choice wasn't the king that they needed. It's one they thought they needed. God gave it to them to show them. But then God says, I'll give you a king. After my own heart. Here's a man after my own heart, David. 
So God gave them uh, David afterwards when he had removed Saul. He raised up David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Saul was busy about doing his will, the people's will. He was a people's man. He lived for the esteem of men. Verse 23, And of this man's seed, that is David, hath God promised, or according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Who do you think that I am? I am not he, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ. But behold, there cometh one after me, speaking of our Lord, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. You know, they thought they were going to be rid of this man, Jesus. They were crucifying and be done with him. But in crucifying, they did the very will of God. You know, they gathered themselves together like Psalm 2, like we read this morning. The rulers of the earth having gathered themselves together you know, and counseled together. Let us cast this man's you know, bands far from us. Let us kill him and crucify him. And in doing so, they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ to be rid of him but in doing so they actually provided a sacrifice for our sins unknowingly he says even though the voices of the prophets the prophets that had prophesied this and foretold of this in the Old Testament and their, their words are read every Sabbath day in the synagogue and yet you didn't know them you didn't hear them you didn't know who the Lord was when he came they fulfilled them in condemning him Verse 28, And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. Death couldn't hold him. He didn't have any sin. Death had no power over him. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, and that he raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his generation, or his own generation by the will of God, he fell on sleep, or died, and was laid unto his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again, that is the Lord, saw no corruption. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him... All that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declared unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. You may be seated. Last Lord's Day, I spoke to you in regards to preparing the way of the Lord and keeping are making his path straight. And we have that responsibility that John the Baptist himself fulfilled in preaching in the wilderness unto people the coming of the Lord. And he was prophesying, foretelling the Lord's first coming. 
And here we have the Lord's second coming. You know, repent. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that was the message of John the Baptist. It's still our message today. It's the message that Paul preached here unto these people in the synagogue um, on this particular Lord's Day, telling them, Ye that fear God, give audience. Give audience to the words that I have to say. We ought to, when we come here and we come to hear the Word of God, we ought not to come, you know, in a lax uh, attitude. We ought to come with zeal. We ought to come with an earnestness. You know, you can... Let me just say, I can. I can read the Bible and just read it. Or I can read it with an earnestness and a zeal and a desire to know what it says. And, you know, it's much more profitable to read it that way. It's much more profitable for us to have come praying, Lord, give him something to say unto us. Lord, give me a hearing ear that I might hear. And that's the kind of attitude that we ought to come in. And that's the kind of thing that Paul is saying unto them here. You that fear God, listen to what I have to say. Give audience to what I have to say. And the thing that he's saying unto them is, God did this. This is something that God did. You know, Anna, she's two, my little girl, and she's learned how to do a lot of things. And I worked with her yesterday and finally got her to count all the way to ten. Of course, I was having to say one, one, one. Usually I'll say one and she'll say three. You know, and I'd say no, one, and then... She'll say one, not to go to two, and then she'll say three, and she won't say two, you know. She just likes to go from one to three. But I had to work with her, say one, and she'd say one, say two, and she'd say two, and three, and all the way to ten. We finally got to ten. And when we got to the end of it, she said, I did it. <laughs> and we want to say that a lot. We want to say, I did it, I did it. I did this, or I did that. But really, if we're going to speak in the way that we ought to speak unto people, when people may say, well, we really appreciate you doing that or you, know, you really did a good job on this or that. You know, if we really speak the way we ought to and if we look at things the way that they really are and we don't speak the way that the media speaks because the media speaks about all these things that happen without any reference to God whatsoever. But God's in everything. He's in everything. And He's in her being able to say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. God gave her that ability. Gave her a mind to be able to think. Gave her vocal cords to be able to form those sounds. You know, I'd have to say ten. I'd start out, you know, t, 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 trying to get her to, to, to say that, that sound of T. And finally she'd get that down and then she'd be able to say ten. God gave her that ability. I need to be able to speak to her in that way. I need to be able to speak to Andrew and Rebecca. I need to be able to speak to Teresa. I need to be able to speak to my mom and dad, my brothers and my cousins and those of you here in the fellowship. I need to be able to speak to you in that way. This is God. This is something that God has done. I don't need the glory for it. You know, I didn't teach her necessarily how to say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I didn't have that ability. It didn't come from myself. It didn't originate with me. In our scripture reading at night at home, um, we're in John chapter 1 right now. And, you know, in the beginning. In the beginning, you know, there was God. It wasn't His beginning. It was our beginning. It was the universe's beginning. Did, did y'all get that email that I sent to you about the little, you see the planets? Wasn't that incredible? I mean, you start out and you saw Earth look so big, you know, compared to these other little planets. And then, you know, you start comparing it to some of the other planets that are bigger that we know, that we learned in school, you know, the names of. And then you see it against the sun and the Earth begins to look real small. And then you begin to see some of those stars and suns that the Hubble Space Telescope has been able to see. And they're so much more bigger, you know, than the, than the sun is. And it got to the point where you saw those pictures and the progression of them where the earth didn't even really, there wasn't even a pixel in the picture left to show the earth. It was just, it was there, but it was just so minute you could hardly see it, like a grain of sand, you know, in comparison to, to the other planets that were there. God did all that. God's in that. In the beginning 
there was God and He made all that. He did all that. I need to be able to relate to them those things. I need to be able to relate to people in that way. It's God. It's not me. It's Him. It's all about Him. It's not about me. It's all about Him. We can be quite proud of ourselves. Being able to accomplish certain things. When what we ought to be doing is giving thanks to God. Glorifying Him and honoring Him. And I need to be able to teach my children to do that. To think in that way. You know, that thought is not... We were talking about thoughts Wednesday night. That not all the thoughts in our mind are ours. And that's so. Every thought in your head is not yours. You know, we talked this morning about man's will, Satan's will, and God's will. God's will being done. Well, thoughts from all three of those categories exist in your brain. There are thoughts that Satan will put there. There are thoughts that are your own. And then there's thoughts that God puts in our minds. You know, to be able to think about things like I've talked to my children about, like from John, our, what in our reading, our scripture reading. We, we talked about one verse. We talked about John 1.1 1, 1 for 45 minutes. And it's looking at different passages and talking about in the beginning, asking them questions. You know, those things come from God. How would we ever have known that had God not revealed that unto us? There's no way. There's no way we would ever have been able to come to that understanding if God did not give us some of these things in His Word. We'd not be able to reach that. We'd not be able to reach that high. Our brains would not have been able to function in that realm and think that way. It just wouldn't have happened. So There's some things that God puts on our minds that are from Him, and they're wonderful, glorious things. And this is what Paul is conveying unto these people. God did it. I tried to emphasize some of those places. He and, and God did. He did this and He did that. It's God doing it. That's what we ought to be able to say. And we're so, we're so versed in talking the way the world talks. The world doesn't talk that way. That God deserves and that the honor belongs to God for things. You know, the reason there's breath in your body is because He's given it to you. You wouldn't have it if He didn't give it to you. We ought to be able to converse with people in that way. We ought to look for opportunities when we're speaking to people to be able to, to speak of God. And if I'm going to think that way, and I'll talk some more about that in a minute, but if I'm going to think that way, I need to ask God to help me to think that way because it's His thoughts. I need more of His thoughts. I need to ask Him to help me to be able to think that way. Well, where we are here with Paul, this is the only place that I know of in the Bible that tells us specifically what Paul preached to the Jews. We have references to Paul preaching. We have references to Paul speaking even in the late hours. You remember that situation where there was the man sitting in the, in the uh, window in the upper room and he fell you know, and, and it was dead. Uh, but we don't have really what Paul said. Here we have something that Paul actually preached, the message that he actually preached. And it's real similar to what we found in the beginning of the book of Acts, um, similar to what Peter says and what Philip said and the messages that we have recorded that they preached. But they went into the synagogue waiting an opportunity to speak, and God provided it. And the text that we have here and the words that Paul preached unto them are saturated with the activity of God and the things that God did. We didn't do it. You think about what he was talking about there and the nations that were defeated by Israel. When they went in, they were there in the wilderness and when they went into the promised land, the nations that had been conquered by them, they might have been able to, they might have tried to say, we did that. They didn't do that. God did that. God allowed them to have the victory. It wasn't their victory. It wasn't by their own might. It wasn't by the strength of their own arm. It wasn't by the, the, the military you know, weapons that they had better chariots with better wheels and you know, they had sharper swords. They had better armor. It, none of those things really matter. Not when God's involved. If you, think of, if you think of things and look at things with God involved in the matter, we could have the better armor. We could have the better trained soldiers. We could have the better weapons systems and yet lose the battle. We could have more people to fight and yet lose the battle. It belongs unto the Lord. It's not, it's not ours. It's His. 
God decides. God chooses. In verse 17 here, we have him saying that God chose our fathers. He's not saying there that necessarily that God chose Russell Lee to be my father. Not exactly what he's saying there, but that is true. That is true. God gave me the parents that I have. God gave me the children that I have. I am responsible for these children. These are the children that God gave me that I am to raise. God gives us. And this is what he's saying. He's saying here that God chose our fathers. He's saying he chose Israel as a nation. And we have other passages that we could go to and look at. Why did he choose them? Well, the Bible tells us he chose them because they were the weakest. Why would God do that? So that God would show that he did it. It wasn't them. They were the smallest and the weakest and the most insignificant. God chose them to show His glory. That's why I think, and I've mentioned to you before, that Samson wasn't the type of man that we see drawn in the coloring books that you know looked like Mr. Universe. You know, I think he was an ordinary man with extraordinary ability. Else, why would they ever think that they could have bound him and keep him bound? You know. God chooses. He chooses weak things and base things. And you know what? If He's granted you salvation, more than likely you're one of those things. You were a weak thing and a base thing and an insignificant thing that God chose to display His power and His might and His glory and His wisdom in you. We have this treasure, the Bible says, in earthen vessels. Weak. Just think about the body itself, such a weak thing that the Spirit of God who spoke the worlds into existence that said, let there be light and there was light, that He exists within you and me. If we are His. That's amazing. That's incredible. But He chooses the weak to display His great power. His wisdom But it's he that chooses. God chooses. He chooses. Why are you here? You know, there's a sense in which we could say, Brother Wiseman, you rolled out of bed this morning and were able to put your feet on the floor and put your uh, clothes on, your shoes on, and come down here because God chose to let you be here. That's true. That's absolutely true. I'm here standing speaking to you today because God chose to let me be here. I could not be here. Our life's a vapor. We are so fragile. All kinds of things can happen unto us. God keeps us, protects us. He's allowed you to be here this morning. He chooses. He does it. Do we have a problem with that? Some people do. Some people have a problem with the fact that God chooses. John 6.44 says that no man can come unto the Son except the Father draw him. God chooses. You know, after he said that, some people went away. Some people who professed that that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Savior, that he was the Messiah, that he was their only hope. After he said that, some people went away. Because the Lord said something like, God chooses. God chooses. That God does it. That God's in it. Why, do, why are you here? And why do you have a hearing ear? Why can you understand? Not just the words that I'm speaking. Speaking in English. We all speak English. We all understand English. Some of us even speak East Texan and we can understand that too. But you understand what God says from His Word because God gives you a hearing ear. Or you wouldn't hear. Think about the people who saw the Lord perform miracles, raise people from the dead. And yet what? They did not believe Him. They would not believe Him. They would not follow after Him. Brother Wiseman prays. He prays for people that won't come. They will not come. There was a time when some of us might have been able to say the same thing. I wouldn't go. Every time in my life I would have said, if my parents gave me the choice, 
son, we're going to go to church today. You can go if you want to. Or you can stay home. Well, I would have sat right in front of that TV and watched it all day till I got back home. Time of my life when I would have done that. I would have chose that instead of this. But then God put something in my heart and chose that I should be here instead of there. He chooses. That does not leave us without responsibility to seek Him. Romans 8 tells us, we've been in Romans 8 on Wednesday nights, that the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God and cannot be. For you to be subject to the law of God takes God doing that, working that in your heart, giving you a new heart. 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us the natural man does not receive the things of God or of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. He cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. God chose to give me the ability to receive those things by putting His Spirit within me. I couldn't have forced God to give me His Spirit. I couldn't have done anything to make Him do that. Except asking for His mercy and grace. And He chose to give me His Spirit. Put His Spirit within me. Further on in the book of Acts, Paul tells some other people he's speaking to that God commands all men everywhere to repent. God's given all men that responsibility. Man's responsible to seek after God. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Revelation 22, 17, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely we have that responsibility to come unto him all those people were invited to that marriage supper the Lord was giving that parable they were all invited this man says well you know I bought this land I've got to go and see it and another man said well I just bought some livestock I've got to go and test them another man said I just got married you know I'll, I'll come later he said go out into the highways and hedges and bring them in he told them to come but they would not This is the thing that Paul is saying unto these people when he says unto them that God chose Israel. God chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with a high arm he brought them out of it. God chose Israel. God chose to put Israel in bondage in Egypt. God chose to bring Israel out of Egypt. God chose. God did it. This is the thing that Paul is saying unto these people. God made the people great during their stay in Egypt. God made them to grow. God made them to multiply. I mean, Pharaoh cast their children into the Nile. Gave them to the crocodiles. As soon as they were born. The male children. But God made them grow. They didn't become mightier than the Egyptians. The Egyptians began to fear that they were growing in number. That's why they did that. But God was the one that brought them out with a mighty arm, with a high arm. Uplifted arm, it says there. In other words, God did it. God brought them out. He did this. He bore them in the wilderness in verse 18. He carried them through the wilderness. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. Led them around the wilderness for 40 years. You know, I was looking at some maps. I got a new Bible program. I was looking at some maps. And look at all the distance that Paul traveled in his missionary journeys. And then looked at the distance that Israel traveled in 40 years in the wilderness. And it's this little bitty area. It's amazing. 40 years the Lord led them around in that wilderness and put up with them. With their murmuring and their complaining. And their disobedience. But He continued to guide them. Continued to show them mercy. Continued to sustain them. Continued to be unto them 
a father in the wilderness. Verse 19 tells us he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. And like I said before, sure, Israel swung the sword, but God's the one that gave him the victory. God gave the Israelites the land of Canaan as an inheritance. It was God's to give. He owned it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. It's not difficult if you lack something and have need of it for him to give it to you. It all belongs to him. And Brother Mac came and preached to us, I think it was two times ago, if you remember. No, I'm sorry, it wasn't Brother Mac. It was Brother uh, Don Johnson. He preached from the passage that all things are yours. Doesn't matter what you have need of. It all belongs to God and it's all yours. If you have need of it, God will give it to you. It's his. It's all yours. You're his, you are a child. You are his child and he is a father unto you. If you ask for something and you have, truly have need of it, he'll give it to you. Sometimes he gives us things that we don't need. Kind of like Israel asking for a king. What in the world did they have need of a king for? I was just talking to Teresa this week, and I was remembering back whenever we went through the life of David and Samuel, and I was telling her, I said, I'd like to go back and, and listen to those messages again. She said, you want to listen to your messages? And I said, yeah, the, the things that the Lord showed us through looking at the life of David and the, the, the life of Samuel, I said, I, that was a wonderful study to me. It was a wonderful experience to, to be able to look into those things. They asked for Saul. They didn't ask for him by name. But they wanted a king. Here they had God to their father. Here they had God to supply all their provisions. Here they were different from any other nation upon the face of the earth. They didn't have a king. They didn't have to have a king. All the other nations had kings. And they wanted to be like the other nations. We have the tendency to be like that. We have the tendency to talk like the world talks. We have the tendency to leave God out of our conversations with people because that's the way they speak. That's not the way that we ought to speak. He gave them the land of Canaan as inheritance. He gave them judges instead of kings. That's what they had. They had judges. God gave unto them judges. Men like Moses. He gave unto them judges. God raised them up. This was God's thought for Israel. I'm going to give you judges. This is what you need. You need judges. You don't need a king. I'm going to be your God. And I've given you my law. And I'm going to give you these judges so that they can tell you, you know, this is what God said. Yeah. But yet they, in verse 21, desired a king. And the kind of king they wanted, like I said, was Saul. A man head and shoulders above the rest. A man who, God told him, he'll take the best of your crops, he'll take the, the most beautiful and the most handsome of your children to be his servants. You know, this is, this is the kind of, this is what you desire. This is what the other nations have. The other nations have king who, who, kings who take the cream of the crop and they live in royalty. And their palace is plush. And their servants live in straw huts. And you want this? This is what you desire for yourselves? And like I said, God gives us some of those things sometimes. God does that. We desire those things that the world has. And God gives those things unto us. And we find out real quick, that's not what we need. And so God showed them if he gave them a king, the kind of king that he would give them. And he raised up David. He removed Saul. God removed him. David didn't remove him. That was one of the things as we went through. David was so much God's man, he said, I will not lay a finger on Saul. God's going to have to remove him. He's going to make me king. And God had already told him that he was going to, he'd already been anointed king. Samuel already anointed him. The kingdom was already his. And yet he said, I'll not pull Saul down off his throne. Though Saul would kill him with a sword, David would not do that. David was God's man. God chose him. He was a young nobody. 
keeping his father's flock. God said, I found a man after mine own heart. If you're going to have a king, that's the kind of king you need. A man that's after my heart, not after his own heart, not after his own will, not after his you know, own possessions, enlarging his own kingdom, but a man that's concerned about following me, who will do my will, he said. And, of course, David was just a foreshadow of our Lord himself who came saying, I must be about my father's business even at 12 years old. Who came doing his father's will, fulfilling his father's purpose. That's the kind of king that we need. That's the kind of king that God has given us. It was God who brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. He shall deliver them from their sins. His name meant Savior. God was behind that. They rejected Him. Here's the King that God would give us. We reject that kind of King. We don't want Him. And they crucified Him. And God was behind that too. They meant it for evil. Peter said, but God meant it for good. They would crucify Him to be rid of Him. But God would allow him to be crucified to be our Savior and an atonement for our sins. This is what Paul is saying unto them. God planned it. God did it. God accomplished it. Even when you thought you were doing your own will, you were doing God's will. God's behind it. God's in it. Paul goes out of his way to show that even those who did not know God, who were out of step with God and could not understand what God was doing, nevertheless, God planned and God prophesied and God performed. It was God that did it. They didn't recognize Him. They didn't recognize the Scriptures that were read about Him. And the Sabbath every, or, or read every Sabbath in the synagogue, they condemned Him. But yet God was behind it. God was making sure that it happened. Even Satan, think about him. He wanted him dead. He entered into Judas to betray the Lord. And yet God was in that. What Paul was trying to tell him, God's in everything. We may not understand. Disciples probably looked at Judas and thought, how could you? you you've spent all these years walking with the Lord you saw all these miracles that he's performed he's done nothing but good unto you ever how could you betray him they fulfilled what was written of him verse 29 they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb they thought their plan was being carried out but it was God's. Acts 4.28 says this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. It was all God's plan. Like Brother Johnny always, he, he makes, I hear him preach different places, always talking about God didn't go from plan A to plan B. You know, in the garden when man sinned, when man fell, it wasn't plan A to plan B. I mean, that, to me, <clears throat> you know, I look at the garden and I say, well, Let's just take the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's just get rid of that and won't even have that. The temptation will be completely removed. You know, man will never fall, man will never sin. You know, we would think that way. But that's not the way God thinks. That wasn't according to God's purpose. It wasn't according to God's plan, God designed. I don't understand. Here's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. He knew they were going to eat of it. And I don't understand some things about that. I don't think that way. But that's not my thoughts. That's God's thoughts. And if God had never allowed that, we'd never known His love as we know it. We'd never known His mercy as we've known it. We'd never known His grace as we've known it. There's lots of things we can say about that. But it's, not, it's just not the way that we would do things. But God doesn't do things the way that we do things. We don't need to question God about the way that He's doing things. We just need to trust Him. Commit ourselves unto Him. 
God had been at work from the beginning. Our Lord Himself, He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Dad was talking yesterday. I stopped at the house that he's remodeling in Huntsville. And uh, he was talking about the foundation. The house has got foundation problems. He was saying, you've got to have a good foundation. God had one. Christ. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There is the foundation that everything was built on. is Christ. When you speak about things that happen to you, do we talk the way that Paul is talking here? That's the point. That's the application. What I've been driving at. Do we talk the way that Paul is talking here? When we narrate our life, do we talk the way that Paul's talking here? Do we say, God did it? I mean, when, when my wife fell sick and, and almost died, can I tell people God did that? People have trouble understanding that kind of thing. People don't think that way. God did that. God allowed that to happen. God brought that to pass. And what is that in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, His own Son. He allowed Him to be taken with wicked hands, spit upon, His beard plucked out, mocked, beaten, scourged, What are the things that happen to us in comparison with that? God did that. God was in that. God did it. We need to be able to speak to people like this. God's in it. God's in this. Well, Russell, I just can't believe this has happened to you. Boy, this is, this is really bad news. This is just a horrible thing. That you know, What, what can we do? Well, God's in it. Now, God's allowed this to happen. God's brought it to pass. God's going to bring good out of it. He tells me in His Word that He will. Romans 8 tells me that. That God causes all things to work together for the good. Those who love God and are called according to His purpose. He's going to bring good out of this. It's not the way I would have done things. It's not the way I think. But it's the way God thinks. We need to be able to relate to people in this fashion the fashion in which we find Paul relating to these people that he's speaking unto. God wasn't in their thoughts in that way. The people you talk to, God's not in their thoughts that way. You know, I know people I've talked to, they think that bad things happen to them when God turns his back. You know, God went over here to do this. We were there in the hotel when I was in training a month ago, uh, or last month, and Teresa turned, she probably won't be saying this, but she turned just for a second to reach and get something out of a bag. Anna was in the pool. And when she turns back, Anna's like this. You know, she can't swim. She's just floating in the water like this. She had stepped off the step, and she's floating in the water. You know, stuff like that doesn't happen to us. You know, God doesn't turn to do this, and oh, no, I took my eyes off him just for a second, look what happened to him. That doesn't happen. Everything that's happened to me from the beginning, from the day I was born, or from the moment I was conceived in my mother's womb, Everything has worked according to God's plan and purpose for my life. If I didn't believe that, I, I would be a nervous wreck. I'd be wringing my hands like people that I talk to. I'd be wondering, well, what am I going to do now? You know? But I don't have to think that way because I know that everything is according to God's will. Everything is according to God's purpose. Everything is according to God's design. Everything is according to God's foreknowledge because He laid it out to be that way. You know, we, we, we build a structure and we have plans and that two before goes there and that two before goes over there and you have a header over that door and we're going to have a window here. It's all according to plan. It's all according to foreknowledge. I know before I put that window there that that's where it goes because it's in the plans. And that's what that's talking about when it talks about the foreknowledge of God. It's all according to how God has planned it. As I said, we talked Wednesday night about all of our thoughts not being our own. That there are thoughts that we think that we know without a shadow of a doubt that God put them there. That the thought didn't emanate with us. Didn't begin 
here. God placed it there. We read in Isaiah where it said that God told us my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways than your ways. And that email that I sent you and you saw that they took that picture that the Hubble Space Telescope had taken and took the darkest part of it and enlarged it and you saw all those galaxies that were there and all those stars and it just goes on and on and on and it doesn't seem like there's an end and there must not be. There must not be. Because God's thoughts are that much higher than our thoughts. And as I said before, we need to be asking for more of His thoughts in our brains. For His way of thinking to filter into our way of thinking. So that we can respond and react to people, places, and things with the mind of Christ. To respond and relate to people with a Christ-like manner. Like that man that I was telling you about earlier. That, I mean, he was just so distraught and so much despair and so despondent that if I had said something, he would have said, just forget it. But yet I knew he needed that. So I held my tongue. I didn't say anything. He'd been, he'd been griping and complaining and just chewing on me the whole time I'd been on the phone with him. And the human response and reaction is I'm going to get even with that person. You know, I'm going to say something back to that person but that's not God's thought towards that person. I need to be able to think the way that God thinks. I need to be able to relate to people the way that God would have me to relate to them. I need to pray that I might be able to do so. That I might be able to relate to people in this way. Speak to them the way that Paul did here. God did it. God's in it. God chose. God delivered. Yeah. yeah, God allowed her to be sick, but God raised her up too. But even if she had died, God did it. God allowed that to happen. God's in it. It's His purpose, His design. God delivers, God separates, God provides. He gave these people His law that Paul was speaking to them about the children of Israel in the wilderness. Let them know the right way to live. Told them if they would obey that He'd bless them. They couldn't do it. They couldn't live that way. Their sinful nature was always having them fail and go astray. And God put up with them for 40 years. They couldn't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. God can God can. God did it. That's what Paul would have us to know. What's the problem? Our sin. No way to atone for it. What could we have done? What could we have done to atone for our sin? Keep the law? Already broken it. Broke one, broke them all. Worthy of death. Wages of sin or death. Worthy of damnation. Offended. Transgressed. Broken the commands of a holy God. How could I have ever atoned for that? God did it. God made a way. What have I to do? Believe upon what God has done. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who takes away our sin. Can you believe it? It's incredible, isn't it? It is. It's really incredible if you think about it. They couldn't believe it, some of those people that Paul was speaking to. But then you see the Gentiles. They desired those words be preached unto them the next Sabbath. They wanted to hear it. He was saying there is a great and glorious God. Know Him. Reckon with Him. Think of Him. 
He's the main worker in history. He's the explanation for the meaning of everything. I need to be able to look at things in that way. I need to be able to say, how does this relate to God in my life? That's how I need to be able to think about things. How does this conversation I'm having with my daughter relate to God in my life? How does it relate to God in her life? You know, how do the things that are happening to me right now relate to God in my life? I need to be able to think about things like that in that manner. It's God's world. He made it. He owns it. Everyone in it. He works in it. He's guiding it to its appointed end. It's all His. Everything without exception has to do with God. Everything gets its meaning. Knowing what I know, God bringing me to the place that He's brought me to and giving me the understanding that He's given me, without Him, if, if He no longer existed, knowing what I know, the things of this life would have no meaning. He's the meaning behind it. They would have no meaning for me. We know that's not possible. But everything gets its meaning from God. Nothing makes any sense apart from Him. It's all a bunch of chaos and a bunch of nonsense. It makes no sense apart from Him. But the chaos I can understand through Him. I can see that sin is the reason people are insane like they are. That they will spit in God's face. That they will reject salvation. Everything has meaning through Him. Without Him, that wouldn't mean... I would, why are things this way? If I didn't know anything about sin, I'd wonder, why are things this way? I wouldn't understand. But everything gets its meaning from Him. And nothing makes any sense apart from Him. Let's stand.